Welcome to Fringe Division. Hello and welcome to Fringe Division, spoiler-free rewatch podcast of the hit TV show Fringe. I am Jimmy. And I'm Martin. Today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 13, The Transformation, which first aired on February 3rd, 2009, written by J.R. Orsi and Zach Whedon. It was directed by Brad Anderson. Um, Yeah, so we're on Episode 13, and it's unlucky for some. But um, I kind of enjoyed this episode. What did you think of this episode, Martin? It was a good one. Yeah. Did you remember the opening scene? Yeah, because I'd seen it in the pilot. <laughs> yeah. See, I was thinking that. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. It's like, oh, another fucking plane. <laughs> yeah, I remembered the creature, the man changing into the creature, and how um, gnarly that looked. Um, and so I remember that part but I didn't really remember much else of the episode apart from that so you liked this one then yeah? yeah it kind of kept us going with our wider fringe story rather than just uh, quick think of something weird and solve a crime Um, there is a point right in fact I'll get into it and then I'll see what my problem was with a line that was said the plot is as follows Martin well, you already know it, but, you know, the listeners may not. On an airplane in flight, scientist Marshall Bowman gets a nosebleed and he tries to warn the crew to give him sedatives and use force against him. Right, he says, Martin, this isn't a panic attack. This is real. And as someone who's suffered from panic attacks, I quite, you know, I, I didn't like that line. <laughs> because panic attacks are fucking real. According to, uh, like... Flight regulations, if you are likely to turn into a big monster thing, you're not actually allowed on board. Yeah, you would think they would check that first. You know, just to ask everyone, are you you're going to change into a big monster? No, 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 I promise I won't. Right, you can come in. Right. If, if you fly on EasyJet, you actually have to pay a bit more if you want to transform into a big monster and kill everyone. Yeah, he transforms into a beast in the bathroom. Um, he's uh, he's joins the Mile High Club for someone. He's a beast in the bathroom. <laughs> he bursts out, causing the plane to crash in Scarsdale, New York. There was a really bad mat line on the effect shots where the plane fell below the trees. Yeah, yeah, it didn't look good. You spotted that, did you? Yeah. In case people don't know, that's what Martin does. <laughs> Martin is a, a visual effects person. That's your official title, isn't it? A visual effects person. Sometimes. Yeah. So he notices things like this. And it pisses him off! <laughs> um, the fringe team arrives on the scene and discover the beast's body. Dr. Bishop... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are we just going to overlook 
the woman saying, put keys down your back if you have nosebleeds. Put keys down your back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then, and then she goes, I tried it once. It didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me of the scene in Die Hard 2. John McClane's wife is sitting in a plane and the old woman next to her says, uh, you ought to get yourself a taser. Um and zap any bastard that comes near you. And then she says, I tried it on my dog. Poor thing limped for a week. <laughs> They've just remastered Babylon 5. Fucking finally. And I've been rewatching that. And uh, in the episode Mind War, where um, Walter Koenig turns up as a psychop, he has this uh, uh, other psychop with him. And I'm like... <laughs> I recognise her, but I can't place her. And I looked through her IMDb, and it's the stewardess from Die Hard 2. All right. Which one? I can't remember what... The blonde um, one or the dark-haired one? The dark-haired one. Right. Um, I can't remember what the British Airways knockoff airline was called. Um, But she's like, We're like British rail love. We get you there in the end. Yeah. Or that one. Yeah. Right. She's also a psychop, so... Don't trust oh. her. Which is funny because the plane is flown by Chief O'Brien from Deep Space Nine. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Well, from Deep Space Nine. He he originated in TNG, thank you very fucking much. It's true. He was in the pilot. What, for TNG? Yeah. Yeah. Was he? Yeah, he's in the, yeah he was in the pilot for TNG, and he's in the finale of TNG, and mm-hmm. for DS9 pilot and finale. Oh, there you go. And if you watch... Um, Star Trek Lower Decks, you will be aware that he is the most important person who ever lives. <laughs> yeah. I watched the first episode. Yeah. Um, right. The French team arrives on the scene and discovers the beast body. Dr. Bishop concludes that it started out as human. Why can't we have done a Deep Space Nine podcast? That'd be so much better. Because I've... <laughs> I've never seen Deep Space Nine, so it would That's be a rewatch podcast. That's why it would have been so great. But I haven't seen it since so not rewatch. I want something I'm rewatching. I don't want to watch something new in case it's shite. Right. I mean, the first season or so is, but that's half the fun. But you're rewatching it, so just talk about it with your wife or something and then just pretend you're recording. Oh, yeah, you think my wife would let me talk about Deep Space Nine? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it would just be like all the times you talk about stuff that isn't fringe on this podcast that I have to cut out, so. <laughs> and that, dear listeners, is why our episodes tend to be about 12 and a half minutes long. Yeah, that's why we have short episodes, because I cut out a lot. Ooh, a lot. Right. Oh, why don't you just go back to podcasting with Jen if you love it so much? I do like podcasts with Jen. Jen's oh, great. Fine. Bye. <laughs> I'm recording with Jen tomorrow, actually. We're doing The Lost Boys. That hasn't aged well. Uh, no, it certainly has not. Um, no, I... Are you doing I, Vampire I, Month? No, because Buffy the Vampire Slayer was February. It's just it's just the way it worked out. She picked Buffy, then I picked... Wait, did she pick Buffy or did I pick Buffy? I picked Supergirl, she picked My Girl, and I've picked Lost Boys. So... Yeah, it's just the way it's worked out. I'm going to pick an action movie next. <laughs> um, because she's picking the Mighty Ducks next. So after that, I'm going to have to pick something different. <laughs> um, and the Mighty Ducks has um, Peter Bishop in it. Hooray! Yay! 
Agent Dunham recognises Bowman's picture from John Scott's memories. Remember that, she has his memories. Yeah, like uh, Dr. McCoy in Star Trek 3. Yeah, yeah. You say that every single time we mention the memory thing, Martin. Oh well, yeah, it bears repeating. Yes. he do- They don't mention it until it's essential to the plot. It's like they tend to forget that it exists until she needs to do it. Yes. Yes. Um, so, it, like, yeah. I don't want them to have fun do it every episode, but I don't know what I'm saying. Well, I don't think they do it again, so... Uh... No, I think it, it ends after this one. Yeah, because it turns out they fucked off and got married. Who fucked off and got married? Anatov and Mark Valley. Yeah, and it lasted like a year or something. Well, that's why you shouldn't marry your co-workers. Mm-hmm. Realising that Bowman was flying to meet another man in the memories named Daniel Hicks... Yeah, that was part of the other sentence, but I was reading it as though it was the start of another sentence. Back at the lab at Harvard, Walter finds a small crystalline disc implanted in the beast's hand, similar to one seen inside the woman killed in the Ghost Network. Oh, cool back. Yeah! And thinks Marshall was dosed with a designer virus. That sounds fancy. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Um, wonder how much those cost. <coughs> yeah, exactly. <coughs> yeah, I know. Hicks is brought in for questioning. After beginning to tra- transform into a beast, he admits that Conrad dozed him before Peter Bishop pauses the process by administrating a sedative and placing him in an just coma. Yeah, that's how it's done, airline staff. Get it right. Jesus Christ, no one of you go died. Um, like that useless, stupid fucking teenager in the last episode. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. You're stupid, you die. Um, I'm amazed I'm still alive, actually. Um, I'm amazed you're still alive. Yeah, no? Especially given recent events. What, you mean coronavirus? Yeah. Yeah. I survived COVID. Yay! <laughs> I had it. Now I don't. Woo! Um, actually, that surprised me because it makes me realise I'm actually healthier than I thought I was. So, <laughs> yay! Walter develops an antidote uh, while Olivia finds another small disc in Hicks's hand. Her demand to see Scott's body leads her and Philip Broyles to massive dynamic. Yeah, Broyles is all like, uh... Buried. Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, w- I want to dig up. I want to dig up his body. Ah, about that. He's kind of at massive dynamic in a tent. He's been there since the pilot. Nina Sharp tells her that the information gleaned from Scott's body implicates him and in a bioterrorist cell with the other two men. Um, so Nina Sharp is back, ladies and gentlemen. Nina Sharp. Hooray! We've missed her. Yeah, and now she's not a bad guy. So when uh, she uses the hand scanner to get into the John Scott room, right? Yeah. Was that her robot hand? Oh, shit, I don't know. Oh, it was her right hand. I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Hmm. And then did you notice that the the leaf was on the scanner screen before she did that? Oh, was it? Yeah, the glyph that we have every week. The leaf. Yeah. French intelligence states that weapons manufacturer Conrad is involved in a sale, leading to Olivia returning to the sensory deprivation tank yet a fucking again in order to find out more from Scott's memories. 
Um, I love, absolutely fucking love that this synopsis doesn't mention Rachel at all. I thought you would. I wrote down in my notes, I don't like Rachel. And since she's not mentioned here, I just thought I'd bring it up because I don't like Rachel. Right. Do you not, do you not like Rachel? No, she's alright. You like Ella, though. I don't like any of those characters and what they bring to the show. In the motel room they used to share, Scott talks to Olivia, scaring her into shooting him. Right, so she is in the hotel room and they come in and there's a woman who's doubling Olivia, right? Yeah. Because obviously Olivia's in the same shot. Mm-hmm. And the woman who is doubling Anna Torv has blonder hair than Anna Torv. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not even the same hair. But is that the hair that she had originally and she's sort of dyed it? darker over the past few episodes and I've just not noticed it well we are now before the pilot so she could have been blonder before the show started right which is what originally attracted him to her but her darkening hair made him more interested in going undercover with uh, the uh, NFL or whatever it was NFL (laughs) yeah he went undercover with the National Football League Martin sounds about right yeah um. Yeah, it just seems as though that they made a mistake in casting a double for Olivia, and they got someone whose hair is lighter. I think it just overemphasizes the uh, unrealism nature of the dreamscape. Oh, you fancy bastard! I like that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, we'll go with that one. <laughs> um. Yeah. So she shoots him because he can talk to her in the dreamscape, which is impossible. Walter has told us many, many times um, that it is impossible for this to happen, yet it's happened twice now that he has um, interacted with her. Because uh, remember the spooky stare in the restaurant a few episodes back? Yes. Yeah. Olivia next appears in an alleyway where she follows Scott into a memory of him almost killing Conrad. He reveals that he, Hicks and Marshall are all undercover government agents for the NSA and tells Olivia to ask Hicks where the meeting is going to happen. They awaken Hicks, who tells them more about the weapons sale. So, what do you think of this whole John Scott's not a traitor, blah 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 stuff? I like how they handled it. Um, They leave it open enough that you could go, yeah, he was so but they give the characters enough closure that they're not moping about it forevermore. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you like it? Sorry, I was drinking. Bloody Scotsman. I know. Fucking Alkies a lot is. Right. Uh, uh, I don't know. I just wish they would fucking settle in it one way or another, you know what I mean? And I think it would be better if... I think it would be better if he was a traitor. Because I think that gives Olivia more motivation, you know? It's like she misjudged that relationship extremely poorly and it gets her into more, uh, you know, being more aware and stuff. It it strengthened her character a bit when she actually thought he was. But now he's not, possibly. Yeah, but then on the flip side, the whole premise of the show is her judging that Peter and Walter are the people she needs to do her job and if it turns out she wasn't a good judge of character that all falls apart 
Hmm. But it would be good if she's not. She was. She has a good judge of character, apart from that one time which sows doubt in her own mind. True. I don't think you're wrong, but mm-hmm. I didn't entirely dislike how they handled it either. No, no, that's fine. I understand. I understand. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't disagree with you because I do think they handled it well. I just because they're doing the same thing with um, Nina Sharp as well. Yeah. Like, a few episodes ago, Nina Sharp was evil and moustache twirly and Massive Dynamic was killing people. And now it's like, oh, I don't know what's going on, what's going on. And it's like, we we were saving his life and getting his memories and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Do you like my Nina Sharp impression? I thought you'd got her on then. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what they're doing, Martin. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to just keep watching and find out. Being given details from a secret radio by Hicks, um, Olivia pretends to be the weapons buyer. What, like Radio Caroline? Yeah, Radio Caroline, yeah. Secret radio. Um, there probably be a lot of people who don't understand that reference. <laughs> As if anyone listens to this. Right. Um... <laughs> They successfully make contact, but the sellers become suspicious after Hicks' transformation restarts, depriving Olivia of necessary information. Conrad makes his appearance and realises Olivia and Peter are lying just before he orders them killed. The FBI moves in and arrests the sellers. So what did you think of this scene then? This is quite a good scene. I liked Peter in a suit. It's like, where did he get a suit? Did he have to uh, get some FBI money out and go down Mossbrus? I have a feeling Peter has suits, or has access to suits if he wanted for his scams. I don't think we've seen him in a suit before because in uh, Baghdad he's sort of wearing a uh, like a white uh, jacket. <laughs> a white jacket? Yeah, like like more casual. He's more smart cash. Smart cash, yeah. But I'm sure Peter has a guy. Mm. Peter always has a guy. So I'm sure he could get one if he wanted one, Martin. Olivia did a good job of uh, giving as good as she was getting and uh, uh-huh. standing her ground and I uh, like when he's like who's this and she's like who are those? who are your goons yeah exactly and I like the reference uh, of how Peter had met Conrad mm-hmm. and uh, he was like oh no we used to we used to go to this pub in Oxford they did Thai food and it turns out that's an actual pub in Oxford that serves Thai food yeah you, you know, it's funny because last week we were slagging off their inability to understand how computers and hard drives work, and this mm-hmm. week they're like, "Yep, actual pub, fine." Yeah, the self typhoid. I, I just imagine that there's like some landlord who was uh, sitting down to like watch a repeat of a random sci-fi show and was just like, "What?" <laughs> Sorry, I'll drink again. <laughs> um, yeah, he was probably thinking. That's how we had that loads of people come in that bus one day in back in 2009. <laughs> I'm confused about the FBI. It's a real organisation, actually. They solve crimes. Oh, 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 all right. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, good. Um, No, I don't know who knows about the Fringe Division because Broyles is the head of the FBI, but he's also the head of the Fringe Division. But he gets the FBI to do Fringe Division work. So, do they know about all the weird shit happening? Broyles isn't head of the FBI, that's James Comey. Yeah, true. 
Well, he was. Do you know what I'm saying, Martin? Come on now. Help me out here. It's, um... What's what's going on? Why are the FBI helping? It's not like International Rescue or uh, CSI or one of those other made-up departments. I know, I know, I know that. But what... Uh, CSI is real, by the way. Um, what I mean is... What about NCIS? Uh, that's real as well. That's a what Navy... About N- Navy what about um, NCIS Los Angeles? Oh, I don't know about that one. You got me there. <laughs> um... Or uh, CSI Cyber. There was a CSI Cyber. Is that the one that investigated people uh, pretending to have sex in chat boxes? <laughs> pretending to have sex in chat boxes. <laughs> yes, it's called cybering. It's uh, quite an amusing comment. Yes, it was. It was very amusing, Martin. Um, yeah, that's what they did. That's all. Only what they did. And talking about that, Dawson from Dawson's Creek was in that show, CSI Cyber. What I'm saying is, Martin, the FBI are not just doing FBI work. They're also doing work for Fringe Division. Uh, well, well, Fringe Division's part of the FBI. It's like how, But is it, though? It's like how British Transport Police are still in the police. You know? Yeah. But is it, though? Yes. Because <laughs> Peter's got a badge. True. But why is Fringe Division? What? Who set up Fringe Division? The FBI. So why is Sanford Harris allowed to just come in and then just say, we're not doing this anymore? Because he's part of the FBI. But he's not part of the FBI. He's NSA. That oversees it or something. I don't know. Get an American on. (laughs) Zarban! Come on, Zarban! The episode ends with Walter telling Olivia her brainwaves are going back to normal and that Scott's memories are fading from her mind. Olivia requests to enter the tank regardless and she makes a last encounter with Scott where he tells her that he loved her and was going to marry her. He was going to marry her. No, he was going to ask her. Don't, don't, yeah, okay. Um, She bids farewell to his consciousness which has finally left her own. This was a really nice, uh, nice way to end it. Um, It was. And I'm guessing the the ratings must have been dipping because they uh, got her in the tank again. Yeah, but we didn't see a strip this time. She was just straight in the tank. Um, so we haven't had the, the softcore porn shot of her going into the tank that we did in the pilot. It's it's shot more... Um, uh, Conservatively. Yes, thank you, Martin. Um, so do you, Mr. Martin, sir, do you have... A Walter line of the week. Nipples. Excellent. Um, mine is nothing worse than adrenaline, except perhaps lies, which is a nightmare. <laughs> it's either that or this is an antidote where well, I can't guarantee will actually work. I do have a recorded IQ of, and Astrid says, 196. And Walter says, really? Um, cause that was good, that bit. It was good, that bit. Right, it is time for notes. Martin's got the notes now. Yay! Depending on how you view the episode, the transformation may or may not be the only episode to date in which the Observer does not appear. According to the Observer Sightings blog, an image of the Observer was digitally added to the far left of a shot showing a soccer field. However, viewers watching the original broadcast on non-widescreen sets could not see him. In the DVD version of this episode, however, he is visible. 
All right, I didn't notice. There was actually a United Airlines Flight 718, which uh, crashed in 1956, but they still used the flight number. Oh. Um, the same number of people, 147 passengers, were killed on the flight in the episode, which is the same as the pilot. Right. There are some similarities to this episode and H.G. Wells' The Island of Dr. Moreau, including Conrad's surname. Oh, right. Okay. And that'll do it for facts. The uh, cipher was mm-hmm. avian. Avian? Rattling my brains. What's that got to do with this? It's like love, Jimmy. Avian is like love. What's it got to do? Yeah, what's love got to do with it? Yeah. What's avian got to do Got to do with it? Right, Martin, do you have anything else to say about this episode of Fringe because we're running short? Uh, it was a good one. Bye. <laughs> I thought the uh, monsters looked pretty good. Um, and it reminded me of the Incredible Hulk when he was like, Oh, don't make me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. It did have a good design because there's an overhead shot of him in the bathroom uh, because it's a airplane bathroom, so obviously it has to be an overhead shot because they're fucking small. But where he's sort of bent over and the spikes are coming up through his shirt, and it's a good shot. And it just, it's well designed monster. It's kind of creepy as fuck, so, you know, mm. it's fringe, so it has to be. So the next episode, Martin, mm-hmm. is called Ability. Ooh. Yeah. German agents question Olivia Dunham about her relationship, quote-unquote, with David Robert Jones, an escaped prisoner questioned months earlier now living in the US. Hooray! Yay! I don't know if he's back, but he's mentioned again. Woo! Because the, the show is actually... Remembering that um, he exists, which is good, uh, because Jared Harris rocks. Mm-hmm. Right, so we're still running short. <sighs> Fuck beans. How's your mum? <laughs> Do you want to get her on for a bit? She's working. Oh. Yeah, she's not in. She's not in. Uh, you could maybe do another impression of me if you want. Oh, no. Right, that's all we have time for. The next episode, as I said, is Ability number episode number there, 14. Tune in for that. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Draw, or Drop the Pilot Pod. The website is shiftybench.co.uk. Contact at shiftybench.co.uk is the email address. Where can the people find you on the internet, Martin? Uh, at the Fowler on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, good old Instagram. At the Fowler on Instagram and Twitter. Yes. Uh, Thank you all for listening, and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. You didn't say goodbye, Martin. I said it too much last time. What? Because you said bye bye? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was enough for the two shows. Yeah. Cut one into that bit, it'll be fine. (laughs) 